Are you a staff pastor looking to serve your lead pastor well? Are you looking for a way to really serve your congregation, show how valuable valuable you are to the pastoral staff? Are you looking uh, not to make a name for yourself because that's not really why we do ministry, but at the same time, we like to feel as though we're contributing. We like to feel like we're being valued for what we're bringing to the table. And if that's where you are today, then what I'm going to show you is the one thing that I learned early on in my ministry that has given me favor with a lot of the pastors that I've worked with, pastors on my team, my lead pastors that have been over me, and pastors that I've never even worked with because of this one thing that I learned that I was taught from the youth pastor that trained me. So let's get started. So the big question is this, how do pastors like us who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Party Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Ministry Hackers Podcast. I hope you are doing well wherever you are in the country listening into this episode today. I'm wearing my Regent University sweatshirt because it is a balmy 50 degrees here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, I have been told this is very uncommon, but the last couple of days have been very cold and rainy. And so uh, so we have pulled all of our sweatshirts and our coats back out. Uh, yesterday, I was helping outside greet people, and so it was pouring down rain and blowing 20-mile-an-hour winds. It was 52 degrees, and so I had to pull out my jacket, pull out my coat, pull out my sweatshirts, and get all bundled up again for a couple of days, and then by the end of the week, it's going to be 80 again. So, uh, so still learning the Virginia Beach area, the weather, all that's coming with it. So today, I'm wearing my sweatshirt. I'm nice and cozy, got the fireplace on and just enjoying a nice cool day before the heat of the summer comes. So wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope you are doing well, enjoying whatever weather God has given you. <laughs> That's one thing I've learned a long time ago, uh, to just embrace whatever the weather is. I've lived in uh, Texas, Dallas, Texas, very hot, uh, very humid down there at times, lived in Des Moines, Iowa, grew up there. Um, it's super cold, uh, lots of snow. Um, and so, and I've lived several places in between. And so I've just learned to appreciate whatever the weather is, you just roll with it. So wherever you are, whatever weather you have, I hope you are doing well and enjoying it as best you can. Before we get into today's content, I want to share with you, uh, a list that I just put together for pastors. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there are free getaways all over the country that are designed just for pastors and some of them for pastors and their families. And these are people who love uh, those who are in ministry. They love pastors. They appreciate what they do. They appreciate what they bring to the table and the sacrifice that so many of them make. And they recognize that uh, most of us are not getting rich in the ministry. We're not living the high life and, um, you know, we're not banking a, a whole lot of money by serving in ministry. And so what they want to do is they want to provide free getaways just for pastors and ministry leaders just like you. And so, um, so I want to give you a list of 10. Um, I, I researched, I looked them up, I found them, and I have 10 free getaways around the country that you can uh, look at, that you can take a part in and take advantage of. Uh, if you're looking for a getaway for yourself, maybe you're getting, looking for uh, a sabbatical period that you could take, or maybe you're looking for a, a vacation for you 
your spouse, you and your family, um, and you're just wanting to get away. So I want to encourage you to go to brandonpartycooper.com slash getaway and get the, I'm sorry, brandonpartycooper.com slash free getaway and get the list there. There's 10 of them, 10 places around the country that offer free getaways for pastors and their families uh, just to get away, just to have some solace, some uh, a place where they can re- unwind, where they can relax, where they can just put all of the ministry pressures and, 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 and frustrations and stress, put all of that aside for a few days, get away, relax, rest, find yourself, spend some time with God, uh, really just kind of put some peace of mind uh, into your life so that when you come back into the ministry, you come back from vacation, you come back into the life that you are in, you have a clearer mind, a better connection with God, and a better connection with your family. And so again, go to brandonpartycooper.com slash free getaway, and you can get the list of 10 free getaways around the country that you can take part in and um, and call them up and set a reservation and enjoy all for free. It doesn't cost you anything other than just getting to the locations themselves. So um, so check it out. Again, brandonpartycooper.com slash free getaway. Uh, look at what places are near you, what you can take advantage of, and start planning your free getaway uh, today. So, all right. So I want to share with you something I learned long ago. Now, my journey to ministry is very interesting, has lots of weird twists and turns and lots of great people along the way that <laughs> helped me navigate the the chaos that was my life back then. Um, and one of those was Pastor Craig. He was the youth pastor who um, who guided me and really trained me and developed me. Him and Pastor Dave, the middle school pastor, uh, they are really pivotal in my development and my growth in the ministry. And one thing that I learned from them and and I've taken it everywhere that I've gone, every ministry position I've been in, every uh, volunteer position I've been, every place that I've gone that I've been a part of in ministry and in business, I've just kind of taken this philosophy because I've realized that most people won't do this. And when I do this, when I really set my mind to to make this a part of my approach to relationships and ministry and all of that, what I've learned is that people appreciate it, they gravitate towards it, they trust me, and they empower me with more opportunities because of this one thing. And what's that one thing? What's the one thing that I've learned? Well, let me tell you a story before I tell you what it is. Let me tell you a story. Um, when I first went down, so I, I was in Des Moines, Iowa, I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa and pastor Craig was in Springfield, Missouri. And through random circumstances, he found out I was there. He, you know, uh, found out I wasn't in ministry doing anything. I'd dropped out of Bible college and I was just building fences at that point. And pastor Craig said, Hey, why don't you come down and help me out? Help me out of my youth group. Um, help me out. Back then I was, uh, I trained teams to do human videos for anybody who knows what those are. Uh, I trained teams and he said, Hey, I want you to come down. I want you to train, uh, my ministry teams to do human videos and drama and things like that. And, you know, be a part of my uh, youth leadership team. And I just want you to come down. So I said, okay. And so when I moved down there, I, I packed all my stuff up into this Ford Taurus, this white busted up Ford Taurus drove down to Springfield, Missouri. And, uh, and, moved in with, uh, with pastor Craig and his family. And when I got down there, he said, okay, you know, the, this was right in the middle of August school was about to kick off. And, um, he had been there for about a year or two, I think, um, being, he was the youth pastor there for about a year or two. And 
um, he was getting ready to rebrand and relaunch and kind of create this new youth group feel uh, under his umbrella. And so, so there were a couple things that he had me do right when I got there. He said, okay, here are the things that I need you to do. I need you to do this because it's hard and not everybody wants to do this. I want, here's what I need you to do. Number one, we are in a 40 day countdown to the launch of our youth group. So, you know, in 40 days, we're going to relaunch with a new name and a new look and a new feel and all that. And what I want you to do is we have created this huge sign up at the top of the sanctuary, the youth sanctuary. So it was the old sanctuary. So, you know, this huge, you know, originally when it was the, the main sanctuary, it held probably 1,500, 2,000 people. And it had been renovated in certain ways. And it was, yeah, there was a gym in there and all that. But it was super high. It was probably 20 feet high. And there was this huge sign up there that um, was counting down the days. And he said, what I need you to do, though, is I need you every day, no matter what day it is, no matter if anybody's going to come in every day, I need you to, to pull the Handy Herman, which is this big lift that weighed a million pounds. I need you to pull that out. And then I need you to get in it. I need you to go up to the sign 20 feet high. And I need you to change the day. Every day I need you to do that. Every early morning, you know, before you do anything else, I need you to do that. Get in the Handy Herman, go up put it on. I'm not afraid of a lot of things. Um, I'm not really even afraid of heights. What I am afraid of is falling and getting into this handy Herman and going way up 20 feet in the air and feeling it move, swaying back and forth as I'm trying to uh, put this little sign on this big giant sign that changes the number every day was very nerve wracking. Uh, it, it you stressed me out every day. I look, I, I did not look forward to it. You know, getting the handy Herman out was not easy, but that was okay. Getting up into it, the, probably what most people would say, the easiest part of putting the sun, it, it just freaked me out because it was just high. And I'm in this little tiny cage that's really not holding me in and it's swaying back and forth and stressed me out. But I did it. You know, Pastor Craig asked me to, and, and I was, you know, young in ministry and I just wanted to help help him out and please him and show him my worth and show him that I was willing to do whatever needed to be done. So I did it every day for 40 days, did this. The other thing that he had me do right away, he said, okay, we, uh, you know, the state fair or the, the county fair is kicking off in a couple days. And I, we have a parking lot that we man. So, you know, people come to the fair, they, they park in our parking lot, they pay us to park there. I need somebody there who will be there most of the days all day long and who will manage the students who come throughout the day. So it's 10 days every day from, you know, I think it was like seven o'clock in the morning until midnight at night, the parking lot had to be manned because people were coming and going to the fair, paying us, I think it was like three bucks or five bucks or whatever it was to park at the fair and just need to be out there. Well, this is the middle of August and it's Springfield, Missouri, so it's not ridiculously hot, but it's still hot. It's, you know, it's in the nineties. It's, you know, beating down sun. We had a nice little tent that we, um, you know, were under. And then the, the, the great thing is, is we had this deal with, I think it was Papa John's where if we handed out coupons to people coming in, then they would provide us pizza for the entire 10 days. So I ate pizza for lunch and for dinner and sometimes for breakfast because it was left over. Like every day I was eating all this pizza. I was in the baking sun. I was handing out these coupons, taking people's money uh, dealing with whatever issues were on and then having to manage all these random students I didn't know yet because I just moved there. Um, but I was managing students. We were, you know, on the, I think it was a super Nintendo playing GoldenEye, uh, 007 game. It was just, 
it was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of work and it was very exhausting sitting in the sun and doing this over and over. And by the end of the 10 days and then by the end of the 40 days, I'd really learned this very valuable lesson because I had these really two difficult jobs. Nobody else wanted to do them. And Craig, knowing that I was just there to serve him and at the same time recognizing that I needed to learn some lessons going into ministry, he gave me these tasks. And ultimately what, what it taught me and, and the, the point of what Craig was trying to teach me and what I took away from those two tasks that he gave me was that in order to be successful in ministry, in order to really serve people, in order to really uh, make myself valuable to the team, that I had to be willing to do what others wouldn't. And that's the lesson that I want to give you. If you're a staff pastor, if you are uh, starting out in ministry, if you're looking to catch the eye of your pastor, your leader, and really show your value on the team, then you have to be willing to do the things that others won't do. Because when you do that, when you say, okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to serve. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. I'm going to step in whenever there's a problem. I'm going to step in. I'm going to do whatever it is. What, what, what really that creates, especially for your lead pastor, is it creates this idea that you are the go-to person. You're the go-to person. So whenever Pastor Craig needed something done and he needed to count on somebody to get it done, after that, he just came to me. He said, hey, Brandon, I need this done. And he knew that I would either do it or I would find somebody to do it for us. Either way, when he handed it to me, it was done. He could, he could count on the fact that it was done. Because I was willing to do what others won't, I became the go-to person whenever something needed to be done. The other thing is that when you are the go-to person, when you're willing to do things that others won't, then you're given opportunities that others do not receive. Again, because Craig would come to me and say, hey, you know, I really need this done and I need to know that it's done and I need to give it to you because I need to know that it's going to be done. What that then did is it created all kinds of opportunities for me because Craig would have things he needed to be done and so he would give them to me. And so I got the opportunity to do a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have. I wasn't really qualified to do them. Um, you know, in some ways I you know, hadn't really earned the right to do them other than the fact that I was just willing to do whatever, whatever, whatever needed to be done. And I was willing to do the things that other people wouldn't. Now, the reality is I got some really crappy jobs too. I got some things that there's a reason nobody wanted to do that. But because I was willing to do those jobs, I got all kinds of other opportunities because I was willing. And Craig, honestly, as any pastor or any leader will tell you, the one thing with managing people that's exhausting is trying to get other people to do stuff that they don't want to do. It's tiring. And so if I if I have two people in front of me and I have a task to give and one's really difficult to get them motivated and moving and the other one just says, okay, and they take care of it, well, who am I going to go to? I'm going to go to the person who's willing to do it that I don't have to fight with and argue and everything else. And eventually the other person's role just diminishes because they're just not willing to do it. And it's easier for me to give it to the person who's willing to do it. And so opportunities come to you when um, opportunities come to you when you're willing to do things. And I'll be honest with you, nothing is more infuriating to a leader than having a talented young leader who 
is unwilling to do things or thinks that certain tasks are beneath them. And I ran into this. I'm, I'm, I've been in ministry 20 plus years. I have trained hundreds of young pastors, hundreds of students, hundreds of, of, of young pastors say, hey, I want to go into full-time ministry. And they're on this path towards full-time ministry. I can't tell you how many of them feel like certain tasks and for certain jobs and certain things are just beneath them. They're just not willing to do them. And that's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous mindset to have. And quite honestly, if you're looking to go into ministry, you're looking to be a full-time pastor, or you're in ministry and you're, you are a pastor, if you have this mindset that things are beneath you, that you are too good to do those, man, that's dangerous. That's It's a troublesome area in your life that's going to hurt you in your ministry down the road. And as a leader, if I see that in somebody, I'm probably not using them. I'm probably not going to give them a lot of responsibility because quite honestly, I'm not going to reward them with these great opportunities when they're unwilling to do the tough ones. And so when you're willing, when you're willing to do what others won't, then you get more opportunities. And then the other thing that I, I learned and why you need to be willing to do what others won't is because you gain valuable nuggets from those who are above you, your lead pastor, um, whoever it is that you're talking to above you, whoever's overseeing you, whoever's training and mentoring you, you get these valuable nuggets. One thing with Craig that I learned real quick was because I was willing to do tough stuff, I was willing to stay longer hours, I was willing to do things that nobody else was willing to do, then usually what would happen is, is there were these moments where it would just end up being him and I. And we would be working on a project or we would be closing up after everybody left or whatever. And we would get into these conversations and he would teach me things that he wasn't teaching anybody else because nobody else was around. Nobody else was left. These little golden nuggets of ministry and life and family and all these things that Craig taught me, I learned those because I was willing to do what others wouldn't and I was around at the right moments because I was willing to do that. And so you get these valuable nuggets when you're willing to do things that others want. And so that's why you need to, to do that. So let me give you a few ways that you can, the how, how you can be willing to do what others won't. And the first one is, remember that no task is beneath you. And we just kind of touched on this, but it's very important to understand. You know, when you study servant leadership and you look at scriptures and you look at Jesus, there was really nothing that Jesus wasn't willing to do. Jesus would do whatever he needed to reach the people that, were in front of him or that was the mission that he was on. And we we have to translate that over into our ministries. And and we live in this society and we live at this time of the celebrity pastor where, you know, there's all kinds of, I don't know, just garbage surrounding this celebrity pastor mindset. And, and quite honestly, I'm not anti-celebrity pastor because some of them are great pastors and great people. We have made them celebrities because of our awe of them. And then there are some of them who have kind of fell into this celebrity mindset and, and they think of themselves as these celebrity pastors. That's not the point that I'm trying to make here. The point that I am trying to make, though, is that when you look at yourself and you say, ah, that's not something I should be doing. Uh, that's not, eh, that's that's below me. That's beneath me. And, and those words would never really come out of your mouth, probably. But you'd find a way to get out of it because ultimately in your heart, in your mind, you're thinking, I, I'm that's just not something I should be doing. Now, let me clarify, because one of the things that I teach here 
in the ministry hacker community is to do the things that only you can do. And that's more about a time management thing. It's more about an opportunity thing. So that's not necessarily saying it's beneath me. It's more about saying I am willing to do it, but that's not the best use of my time. I need to be doing this thing. And so let me, you know, let's just make sure we're clear. If you have the heart and the mindset that says that's just below me, that's beneath me, that's something that's not, you know, I'm just too good to do those things, don't do that. Be willing to do whatever needs to be done. No task is beneath you. Keep that in mind. No task is beneath you. The second thing is develop your humility muscle more than you develop your talent muscle. Develop your humility muscle more than your talent muscle. All of us. You have talents. You have skills, you have abilities, you are coming into ministry with things that you can do better than average and better than most people. Now, what we tend to do is we tend to work out that muscle. So so an easy example, if you're a musician or maybe you're a great preacher, then what we do is we really focus on that talent or skill. We just develop it, develop it, develop it to the point where we are the best at doing that thing. But the problem is, is if we are also not working out our humility muscle, we're not learning how to be humble, we're not posturing ourselves in a humble way. If we are not doing those things, then what happens is our talent and skill muscles get really, really strong and we get all this attention and accolades and everything else, but our humility muscle is really weak. And so we allow ourselves to get caught up into this celebrity pastor mindset because our humility just isn't there. We don't know how to humble ourselves. We don't know how to place ourselves in a posture of humility, accepting compliments, but not letting it expand our heads and make us all proud and, 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 and arrogant and all those things. We have to, we have to exercise that humility muscle by doing things that others won't do by going and stepping out and doing the things that others say that's beneath me, that's below me. Some of the best examples I've seen is when there are things that people on a staff will not do. And the lead pastor steps up and does it as an example of if there's nothing beneath him, then there should be nothing beneath them. Those are great examples and powerful moments that I've seen in ministry over the years. When a lead pastor shows that and says, there is nothing beneath me, even though I may have to focus on the things that only I can do, I am willing to do the things that none of you will do. And that's powerful. And, you know, sometimes the staff, they get that and they follow suit and they change their mindset and they build their humility muscles. And sometimes they don't. And a lot of times they find themselves off the team looking for another ministry position elsewhere. So build that humility muscle and build it to keep pace with your talent and skill muscles. And then number three, the final one, remember that it's always your place to serve. And this isn't a ministry thing. This is a Christian follower of Jesus thing. This is a, I am a disciple of Christ thing. You are always called to serve. Always look for the opportunity to serve someone. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what status they have. Look for reasons and opportunities to serve other people. It is always your place. Always. That will never change no matter what success level you have, no matter what ministry you're in, it will always be your place to serve. And as long as you keep that in your head and you keep that in your mindset, then you will always be willing to do the things that others won't. You will always be willing to step out and follow suit to whatever needs to be done. 
rather than hanging back with the crowd and saying, eh, that's not my thing. Nah, that's not something I need to do. Keep in your head that it's always your place to serve. And quite honestly, when you can, serve first. Don't wait for somebody else to serve you and then serve them. Serve first. Set the pace. As pastors and as leaders, we are the the thermostat that sets the temperature of the room. We set the temperature of our team. One of the things we teach here is how to be a cultural architect for your team. Well, we do that by be willing to serve and by being willing to step forward and serve when others won't and doing the things that need to be done, having strong humility muscles and keeping in mind that it's always our place to serve. And that's how you become willing to do the things that others won't. And that's how you get noticed by your lead pastor, get noticed by your team. That's how you uh, show your value to whoever you're serving and show your value to your team members and to your lead pastor. And quite honestly, that's how you move forward in ministry. Not only that, God honors that. He honors that attitude. He honors that mindset. He honors the, the, the perspective that you're willing to do what others won't. You're willing to serve where it's needed. You're willing to step out of your comfort zone. When you do those things, God gets behind it. God honors you. He honors your efforts. He honors your ministry and what you're trying to do. So there's no downside to being willing to do what others won't. And so I want to encourage you today, set in your mind that you are going to do the things that others won't do for your ministry, for the people you serve, for your relationship with God, and for whatever else that you are called to do in this life. All right? I hope you have a wonderful day, and I will see you in the next episode.